Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Era notte a Terzeu. It was very late at night. I was sitting outside on a rock. As Stan said, I showed him the rock when he came to my home. And I was just thinking, what did I do? I was crying so my family wouldn't see me. And all of a sudden I saw a light coming towards me. When I saw the light, I thought it was a car. Because in Romania and in Italy, they always try to run me over with cars. So I thought, they found me here too. But it was not a car. The light surrounded me. And out of the light I heard the same voice. It was the same angel. Dimitri, why are you so despaired? Why did you punish me so harshly? What did I do? Why couldn't you let me stay in prison? But my family would have had a home. I don't have a bed to let my head down on. Why was I brought here? Dimitri, I brought you to this country because this country will burn. So why did you bring me here to burn? Why didn't you let me die in jail in my own country? He said, Dimitri, be quiet. Get beside me. I don't know what the device was, but he pulled me beside him and he showed me all of California. Do you see what I've shown you? This is a Sodom and Gomorrah. Their sins have reached God and God has decided to punish them by fire. He came and showed me Las Vegas. This is a Sodom and Gomorrah and one day it will burn. He came and showed me New York. This is New York. This is a Sodom and Gomorrah. In one day it will burn. And then he showed me Florida. This is Florida. This is a Sodom and Gomorrah. And in one day it will burn. You've been listening to the Wake Up America message with Dimitri Dudeman. For a copy of this very important message, please go to our website at handofhelp.com. Never before in the history of our country has our nation been in more jeopardy than now. Please order a copy of the video Wake Up America at the handhelp.com website and get the warning out while we still have time. This is the Light of Truth radio broadcast with Michael Boldea. Well, what do you know? Here we are, and here we go. Uh, We were having some technical difficulties. Uh, Skype didn't want to connect, and I don't blame it, because uh, apparently uh, God decided uh, to let us know what the devil's armpit looks like. Uh, So uh, yesterday it topped out at 102 degrees here in good old Wisconsin. Uh, Today it's going to get close to 100, if not over. And uh, as the kids like to say, what kills you isn't the heat, it's the humidity. And so uh, I woke up yesterday morning and all of my windows were sweating. Uh, It it, it looked like it just rained the whole night and it hadn't rained a drop. It was just dew and and humidity from all the heat. So uh, Wisconsin is uh, getting hammered by a heat wave and I'm assuming that Wisconsin is not the only one. Uh, I, I looked on the map and pretty much everyone's experiencing 
some sort of heat. In order for you to understand just how hot it is, for the first time in the history of this show, this show I, I am not enjoying a hot, delicious beverage. That's how hot it is. Uh, I got into the office early. I brewed myself a bunch of coffee. I let it cool down, and then I put it in the refrigerator. And so what I have before me is a cold cup of coffee. Uh, the kids like to call it cold brew, but it really isn't because if it was cold brew, it would have to sit for like 24 hours. So this is just cold coffee. It's refrigerated coffee. Uh, and uh, it'll have to do because, boy, oh, boy, it is just flaming hot. Uh, this morning by 8 a.m., it was in the 80s. So, uh, you know, that's pretty hot. Now, there's a lot to talk about, as always. Excuse me while I sip from my cold, delicious beverage. Uh, not the least of which uh, is the fact that an interview between Donald Trump and uh, Tucker Carlson garnered somewhat 80 million views on Twitter uh, within a few hours. And uh, they haven't come out with the numbers of the Republican debate last night because uh, everybody else was on Fox. So uh, the 2024 GOP presidential primary uh, took place last night. I don't know who watched it. Personally, I didn't uh, because, uh, you know, chances were better than good that it would turn a, into a clown show. Uh, the things that I read about it confirmed my suspicions that it would be a uh, clown show. Uh, I, I, I think this is the least of our worry right now. Uh, because uh, things are heating up, both uh, internally uh, within the United States, and not just literally, mind you, uh, and not just uh, temperature-wise, but also globally. In case you haven't heard, uh, one uh, mercenary warlord, uh, Yevgeny Prigozhin, uh, is uh, suspected to have left this present existence for uh, the next, as his uh, private jet crashed north of Moscow. Now, there are four different possibilities here. Uh, we're going to read this article, and then we're going to go through the possibilities, because this is the way my mind works. If something is too good to be true, if something is too obvious, then chances are there's something behind it. So uh, mercenary warlord and one-time insurrection leader against Vladimir Putin's Russian government, Yevgeny Prigozhin, was aboard a private jet that crashed north of Moscow, killing all aboard, Russian state media says. The Russian Civil Aviation Authority, Rosaviatsya, uh, has confirmed that Wagner Group warlord Yevgeny Prigozhin was on board the private jet that crashed in the Tver region, Outside of Moscow on Wednesday, authorities previously reported that all those on board the plane had died. So uh, this was the original report by Russian Aviation. Uh, it's, uh, so th these are the facts. A plane crashed north of Moscow. Uh, the, the, the Aviation Authority of Russia says that Mr. Yevgeny Prigozhin was aboard the jet. These are things that 
we know as factual. The questions arise when we contemplate what made this jet go kerplunk. Because of all the jets in all the world, it was the one that Yevgeny Prigozhin was on that saw fit to meet a mountainside and not in a loving manner. So these are my four speculative possibilities as to this entire thing. The first and the least probable is that five, ten years from now, either five months from now or maybe even five months from now, somebody's going to spot somebody in uh, either Saint-Tropez or Ibiza or even Argentina or uh, somewhere where it's nice and tropical. And they're, they're just going to scratch their head and go, hey, you look like that one guy that died in a plane crash. I mean, I don't mean to offend you because the guy was a lunatic and all, but you look an awful lot like Yevgeny Prigozhin. Remember him? And the guy will look at you and he'll go, Nyet! And that'll be that. So that's the first possibility. And again, uh, it's the least likely. The second is that this was an accident. <coughs> Oopsies. Things happen. Planes crash. Uh, that's like second least likely. Now we're going to get to the good stuff. Third possibility is that this was uh, Vladimir Putin's way of saying uh, naughty boy. Uh, this was his uh, retaliatory measure against Prigozhin uh, for having attempted, quote unquote. I know, I didn't even do air quotes. It's so hot, I didn't even do the air quotes today. For having attempted a coup. Uh, again, eh, uh, 50-50 shot on that one. Uh, it's possible uh, in, in order uh, for Senor Putin to make an example, he could have taken out Yevgeny's private jet with Yevgeny on it uh, as, as an object lesson to anyone that thought he was losing grip on power or any of the other stuff uh, Western media likes to bloviate about nonstop. The fourth possibility, which I find intriguing, is that Mr. Prigozhin was uh, Nord Streamed. If you don't know what that means, uh, then you're not in the club. Uh, remember uh, the Nord Stream pipeline, the one that uh, our current president uh, enthusiastically bragged about doing away with before it was done away with? Uh, it's very possible that Mr. Prigozhin got paid a lot of money to attempt or to uh, carry out a coup by uh, a certain government that found a $6 billion uh, hole in its budget. But that's neither here nor there. You know, speculation is as speculation does. Uh, so... It is 
possible that Mr. Pigozin's untimely end was due to a certain nation being very unhappy that they either got taken for six billion bucks or that Mr. Pigozin uh, couldn't keep up his end of the deal and uh, do away with Vladimir Putin. Uh, of all the possibilities that I've stated, I think uh, the third and the fourth are most likely. But I wouldn't write off the first because the man was of a certain age or is of a certain age. And uh, after uh, successfully pulling off uh, a, a head fake, because whether we want to remember or not, it is said that uh, the State Department knew of the attempted coup before uh, things started rolling. So uh, either uh, he said, eh, after this, I'm done. I'll take my 10%, 20%. You know, I, even 10% of $6 billion is nothing to scoff at. So he's like, yeah, I, I would like to see the palm trees. You know, I rub some coconut oil on my stomach is the fun stuff. So it's very possible that someone uh, at, at, at a later date will see an individual that looks a lot like uh, Mr. Prigozhin enjoying the high life on a yacht, on a beach, or somewhere. Uh, I, I wouldn't put it past them. Uh, I think that if Putin wanted him done and gone, he would have done it uh, as soon as they stopped marching, because he was uh, in Belarus. He was on Putin's territory. So uh, he, he could have gotten taken out quite readily, uh, perhaps uh, a lot more publicly than just a plane crash where, eh, he was on it he wasn't on it maybe it was a double maybe it was somebody that had his passport who knows i understand that us common folk us uh tax-paying peasants as it were don't consider these things we don't think about uh intrigue and espionage but these sort of things have been done they're being done and it's not a new thing if somebody decides they want out of the game if they have enough dirt and enough protection and enough money to you know Pretend they're dead. I know. So you're not, hey, you think Elvis is still alive? Probably not. But Elvin, El Elvis wasn't the head of a, a, a military uh, <laughs> unit. He wasn't the head of a mercenary squad. Uh, and uh, if you look into the man's history, you'll realize that uh, what he's doing in Russia is not the first his uh, mercenary squad uh, has done for somebody somewhere. Uh, and uh, I'm just saying, as uh, I'm usually fond of saying, that if he had dirt on enough people, then it's very likely that the man is enjoying an umbrella drink on a beach somewhere. Uh, because... Every one of these individuals who's worked for governments, who's done work on behalf of governments, uh, have a file somewhere that is to be released upon their death uh, with all the dirty laundry. And right now, uh, the media, as it were, uh, is so lacking in credibility that I don't think they could put down a story of, of a cache of files coming out where you find out a lot of dirty laundry that a lot of governments have uh, 
used Mr. Prigozhin for over the years. So that's my take on uh, Mr. Prigozhin's untimely demise. Uh, the story will bear the truth out one way or another, but if he's not dead, then he's on vacation, permanent vacation, uh, and someone somewhere uh, will uh, take a selfie at some point. That said, uh, apparently, uh, last night's uh, theme du jour for the Republican primary was support for Ukraine, even though, what was it? They, they got a bunch of F-16s uh, from somewhere. Oh, that's not enough. Yeah, Norway. Norway donated a bunch of F-16s, and the first uh, thing that uh, the little bearded fellow that always wears the camel said was, oh, that's not nearly enough. I'm, I'm telling you, it's, uh, Ukraine's going to become a superpower at this rate. They're going to have all the money in the world and all the weapons in the world, and uh, then they're going to declare sovereignty from the West and uh, go on Russia's side and attack Western nations just for fun. I don't know. This is getting out of hand. This, thing's, this thing could have been over so long ago, and they're dragging it out because they're hoping to weaken Russia via Ukraine. The problem is that the BRICS nations aren't just sitting idly by. Uh, they've just reached an agreement to invite Argentina, Egypt, Ethiopia, Iran, uh, and Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates to become full members of the BRICS nations. The BRICS nations being Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. So right now you have a conglomerate of nations that could give the U.S. a run for its money on any day. If you don't know what the United Arab Emirates are, they're the people with the money and the oil. If you don't know what Saudi Arabia is, well, they're the people with the money and the oil. Iran isn't so, uh, you know, bad with the oil. Russia also. Uh, and right now this, this uh, coalition of nations is about to unveil its own currency that is backed by gold. We discussed this. We discussed this early enough for you to understand where we are and where we're going so that this ought not to have surprised you. However, now it's coming to fruition. And... As a backdrop to all this, you have U.S. banks, which we were told, and repeatedly so, that were strong and vibrant and everything was going great, uh, starting to lay off people. They're laying off hundreds of officials and staff, and uh, a lot of them are also closing branches, Wells, Wells Fargo being one that's closing a lot of branches. Uh, if everything's going so swimmingly, if uh, 
the money still rolling in as it always were or was? How come all these U.S. banks are shutting down offices and firing personnel? It's a good question to ask. See, this is the thing. They're hoping to kick the can down the road until the elections in 2024. I don't think they can. I think uh, by the end of the year, we're going to see the ugly side of a downturn in the economy. Um, let's, let's, okay, let's use an analogy, and I, it's probably not the best analogy I could use, but it is all I can manage on cold coffee. If it was hot, it may be something different. But uh, I used to drive a lot. I used to travel with my grandpa, then I traveled with Gino, and, and we drove a lot. And there were certain times when I'd be an hour away, an hour and 20 minutes away from home, and I knew I'd have to go to the bathroom soon. How soon? Eh, I could gauge it, and then I could sort of determine whether I could make it home or I needed to stop one more time. You got to realize that after a 12, 13 hour drive, another hour is nothing. Because I, I was well in tune with uh, what, what I could uh, hold out for, I, I always made it home. But if you want a laugh or five, go on YouTube and uh, you, you can find a lot of people that didn't. They thought they could make it, they thought they could make it, and finally they just, they just couldn't hold it anymore. And this is what's happening. Uh, with, with the U.S. economy, every single number metric is being revised one month after the numbers come out. Job numbers were revised. Inflation numbers were revised. Housing numbers were revised. Do you realize that it's, uh, what was it, uh, the lowest application for mortgages in 30 years is uh, the latest thing that came out. And every time, they're, they're always revising up or down, uh, not, not in the best interest of the economy, not for a net positive, but always a net negative. How long do you think they could keep kicking this can down the road when the obvious reality of what is happening in the financial sector, of what is happening in real estate, of what is happening in commercial real estate, and what is happening with people's 401ks and people's savings and everything else, when all of that is, is self-evident now, BMO Financial Group, Wells Fargo, and USAA have reported hundreds of layoffs to state officials in recent weeks as the U.S. banking industry continues to downsize. The job cuts come as banking executives express caution about the industry's growth prospects in the second half of the year and as some banks divest certain parts of their businesses. Between April and July, April 2021 and July 2023, total employment and credit intermediation jobs, which include loan officers and tellers at depository institutions, fell by 45,000 to 2.67 million, according to the census data. BMO, which has a large presence in California through its acquisition of Bank of the West earlier this year, recently informed Golden State officials about plans for 248 layoffs. All of the jobs affected are listed as being based in the Bay Area, though the numbers may include remote workers. They can tell you things are getting better. But all you have to do is open your eyes and realize that every single metric is saying it's getting worse and worse and worse. 
And even with all the propaganda, even with all the lies that are being spouted on, on, on mass media, oh, the economy's in recovery. We're, we're doing great, kids. Hey, don't worry about you not having enough money to buy food for your children. That, they, they need to lose a couple pounds anyway. Overall, I mean, you know, you've got to be an economist to understand that, that when things are going down, it means they're going up. But still, overall, we're doing great. We're not. And they're trying to kick this can down the road, hoping that, uh, how do I put this nicely? Hoping that the numbers difference in the election isn't too wide to cheat their way out of. Put it there. Because even they realize that you can only put so many zeros after your candidate's votes for it to make sense. For people to go, okay, all right, eh, it's unlikely, but I'll take it. At some point, you can't have more people voting than there are people in America. It may come to that because this is a circus, and like with any circus, clowns are a plenty. But chances are there's a certain number that they can't see their way out of. There's a certain percentage where they go like, all right, we can't. I mean, we'd like to. We'd like to convince people that 230 million people uh, voted for uh, one Mr. Robinette Biden, but uh, it's, you know, of those 230 million, only about 90 million are registered to vote, so we can't really go that far. Now, for those that believe the system is always right or that authority, quote-unquote, is always right, uh, you should probably go take a look at what happened in Maui during the fires. Because apparently they set up roadblocks on the main highway, on the main thoroughfare, the one that people would use to escape the fire. And they wouldn't let people go through. Now, there were some that didn't just bow their heads and obey like sheeple. There were some who realized, hey, I'm feeling the heat of the flame. I don't care if you tell me I can't pass. I'm going to do it. And so people went around. People uh, went, went off the road and into the ditch and, and got around the officers. And those that got past the roadblocks, guess what? They survived. Those that did what they were told... And went back to, to their neighborhoods and went back to their homes and went back to the places they were told to go, died. They were burnt alive because people in authority told them that they weren't allowed to pass. They weren't allowed to go. There was a roadblock in effect, and you're going to obey the law. The reason I bring this up and I'm actually working on an article for the blog about it, is uh, very soon there's going to be another wave of 
Uh, it's the law. You got to do it. Now, many of you, if not most of you that listen to this program, likely uh, exhibited civil disobedience last time. You said no from the get. They're going to try again. I think the playbook worked so well last time that they feel an imperative to try again. Because what they're thinking to themselves is this. If they were dumb enough to fall for it the first time, why can't we try it a second time? Look, they're going to need to pull out all the stops in order uh, to, to make 2024 even remotely credible. They're, they're going to have to do things heretofore unseen. Or, if we've seen them before, those things on steroids. Because everywhere you look, people are unhappy. They're disenfranchised. Uh, they're, they're losing their life savings just to get by. They're looking into their children's eyes and can no longer promise their children that they have a chance at a better life than their parents. And it's heartbreaking for them. And the people that were elected to fix the problems are only making them worse. And worse still is that the average citizen is realizing that the people elected to be their representatives don't care what they think or what they believe. They have their own individual personal agendas and they carry them through without a regard for those that voted for them. The one article I read about last night's uh, debates was that uh, one, one of the Fox people said uh, abortion is, uh, is a non-issue. It's, it's, a, it's a losing issue. And I'm sitting there going, if over 60% of America identifies as Christian and abortion is now a losing issue, because if you're against abortion, then not enough people are going to vote for you. What does that say about the American church? It's one of those things that, that make you scratch your head and not understand why some people go through the motions without really being. They pretend at being Christians. Maybe, maybe they like the... the, the you know, fellowship of it. Maybe, maybe they like being around other people. Whatever the reason is, though, it's not to glorify the name of Christ. Whatever the issue, the, the reason is, it's not to be obedient to the will of Jesus and the word of God. Because if it was, again, this nation would be a different place 
due to the fact that the people being elected to office would have some sort of moral center, would have some sort of standard, would have some sort of spine, would be able to call sin sin without blushing themselves. The season that we're living in is the perfect environment to bring about some very disturbing change. It's the perfect environment to bring about what many refer to as a strong man. Now, I know there have been debates as who this strong man might be, I don't think we've seen him yet. It it needs, and unfortunately, it needs to get worse. It needs to get much worse. Because for as long as people can reason to themselves that this is as bad as it gets and it's not going to get any worse than this, then they'll acquiesce and make do with the situation at hand. But if every single day, what they thought would be the worst gets worse, eventually there will be a breaking point. I I read this today and I scratched my head going, yep, now it's the norm. Nordstrom Rack and Macy's stores are ransacked by groups of thieves who made off with thousands of dollars worth of designer purses in California. Been maybe two months since every single week this type of story comes up. At first it was Nordstrom, the store. Apparently now they had to reduce themselves to the rack. If you don't know what the Nordstrom rack is, it's where the leftovers of the season get taken and put on sale. So Nordstrom got ransacked. Now they move down to the rack. I'm sure the Dollar General's next. I mean, come on, Macy's? You're robbing Macy's? But see, it's, it's not about what it is. It, it's that they can get away with it. They know they can get away with it. And so they're going to do it. This is why I, I, Dollar General should probably get extra security. The incident comes as Southern California experiences a wave of flash robberies where a group of thieves overwhelm a store's employees and security before making off with as many items as possible. The department store on Canyon Spring Parkway was hit first on July 10th and again just weeks later in a separate incident August 14th. Surveillance footage from the first attack reveals a group of men and women entering a store making a beeline for the handbag and accessory section. Now, there are those who use the excuse of, well, they got to eat. What are, they? Well, are they eating purses? Are they? So let's not go down that road. Because it's a dead end. Don't tell me they got to eat if all they're stealing is purses and clothes. If somebody was stealing tuna, even that would be wrong, but at least it would be understandable. They're stealing purses. We discussed this maybe a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago. And I told you there will come a time when crimes of opportunity will shift to crimes of necessity. 
we're not there yet. But when that shift comes, anything you would have seen up to that point as far as violence is concerned will seem like child's play. And that time is coming. It's not yet here, but it's coming. Look, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be this, this, this dark cloud every week. I don't want to be the guy that tells you, oh, hard times ahead every single time you hear my voice. But I don't think I have a choice. Because there's only a handful of voices that are willing to stand up and say, hey, hard times are coming. While the rest are, are, are riding the unicorn to prosperity land uh, on the wings of a rising phoenix. And I think those people that are just holding their breath, hoping that things turn around, hoping that there's an uptick in hope are going to be the most disenfranchised. They're going to be the most let down. I think it's better to know and prepare mentally for what is coming to the U.S. and to the world because it's not going to be just a U.S. economic collapse. It's going to reverberate throughout the world. It's not going to just be a, a localized depression in America. It's going to be all over the world. Now, will Americans feel it worse? I think they'll think they are feeling it worse because they've never had to, do, to deal with anything like that. I, I, I think that certain nations throughout the world, having had hard times, having had their own depressions, having had their own downturns in the economy learn and know how to deal with this stuff a whole lot better than a nation like America who's never had to deal with it. Now, as far as, uh, what was it? I, it was right after the program uh, last week. Uh, uh, California got, got hit by a tropical storm. Apparently, Palm Springs, uh, you know, the, the people that bought snorkels, just in case, turned out to be uh, prophetic. Palm Springs was cut off there for a minute. But uh, what I found interesting is that at the same time, they were having a tropical storm. There was a 5.5 earthquake in California. And uh, fires were, were just, oh, no, tornado watches in San Diego. So you have a storm that was, it, it was going to come in at a Cat 4, and it came in at a Cat 1. You have a 5.5 earthquake and tornado warnings in San Diego. Uh, tell me you're under judgment without telling me you're under judgment. But I know that's just coincidence. And look, we're seeing all these things happening all over the world. I mean, Hawaii, California, Canada, Colorado, everywhere you look, something's happening. And we forget that Jesus told us that there would be natural disasters and signs in the heavens and the earth and earthquakes in various places. And he wasn't talking about them being something new. They had earthquakes back then. 
It wasn't as though all the people were going, what is an earthquake? No, they, they'd had them. They knew what they were. But Jesus was talking about the frequency and the intensity of these things as the, as the time drew near. And we're seeing that the frequency is there. I'm waiting for the intensity to kick in. Because I know that a lot of people are hoping the worst is behind us. Oh, thank goodness we made it. Well, uh, it's, it's like a 12-round boxing match, and you just heard the first bell. This is, this is, this is just uh, the, the first round. We're, we're not seeing the worst of it by a long shot. And right now, there are enough... Uh, <sighs> people that understand the situation that are starting to sound alarm bells. I ran across an article by a Navy admiral, I think it was, or a general, who warned in the calmest, most brilliant way possible that America's enemies are growing stronger while America is growing weaker. It's, it's not as though some people haven't said that for the longest time. But now individuals outside of the space of the prophetic, people who have absolutely no inclination towards understanding what God says about the future of the world, they're beginning to see in the physical what was prophesied in the spiritual. They're, they're, they're beginning to, to, to rationalize and put the pieces together, sure, 30, 40 years later, but still they're beginning to see what was foretold that long ago. And another thing that, that struck me, because somebody sent me, uh, it was like a 45-second blip of uh, uh, an interview Donald Trump did with uh, Tucker Carlson. And Tucker Carlson asked him straight out, do, do you foresee civil unrest? Do you foresee civil war in America? And I'm sitting there going, 1984 is the first time I wrote down that prophecy in Romanian, then translated it to English. Next year, it's 2024, 40 years later, an entire generation. And the things that were foretold 40 years ago by a Romanian farmer who just landed on the shores of America, being in a rundown apartment in Southern California, are being openly discussed by the former president now running for re-election in an interview he gave that aired at the same time as uh, all the other candidates fighting for a little of the spotlight. Uh, look, this is the whole definition of prophetic. This, this, is, this is what prophecy and the prophetic means. You're not talking about it at, at, at the same time as the people on the news or even people in the know are talking about it. If God shows it to you and it's truly divine, you're discussing these sort of situations decades in advance so that when it occurs, when those things begin to unfold, 
Nobody can say, well, that was just a guess. Honestly, what an absurd guess it would have been that, that the nation that had the motto, United We Stand, is starting to openly discuss civil unrest and civil war. By the way, just so you understand how desperate they are and how far ahead they're starting to plan, uh, there's certain entities, among them a Georgia college, that have reinstated mask mandates. I know, we thought it was over, but I thought the jab would fix it. Well, apparently not. Apparently, the jab didn't fix anything, but it was mandated that you take it. And I'm sure that they have to amp up the fear to get people to submit again. So it's probably going to be worse right now. It's a, I don't know. In, instead of flu-like symptoms, uh, you may even have fainting spells. Who knows? They're going to throw everything at this because they have to. Look, the, the only reason 2020 worked was because of mail-in ballots. And everybody was mailing their ballots in because, man, we can't afford to go outside. Fresh air will kill you. So they're going to have to run the same play again. They got nothing new. Yeah, I'm sure Hunter Biden's sharing the cocaine and drugs with the rest of the staffers. It's not like, you know, he's not a hoarder. So it's not like these people are intellectual heavyweights that can see another way of tricking the American populace in, in, into coming out of their graves again and voting for Joe Biden. So, you know, they have to run the play they have. And this is the only play they've got. Oh, I found the article, by the way. Huh, because, I, again, this is, this is not a guy in his mom's basement and a wife beater with Cheeto stains. This is the outgoing commander of a Navy air facility near Tokyo. And he warned that military deterrence in the Western Pacific may not be working as the region enters an amazingly dangerous time. Navy Captain Nicholas Lecklern, previously a member of the international military staff at NATO headquarters in Belgium, took charge of the NAF Atsugi from Captain Manning Montagnier during a ceremony inside Hangar 1430. Three Navy helicopter squadrons, two maritime strike squadrons, and one sea combat are stationed there. And this man said this, unfortunately, our deterrence efforts are arguably not working. And as a result, as a result, nothing less than our way of life, as underwritten by the rules-based international order, is directly under assault. This is a guy who knows what he's talking about. And I promise you one thing, his warnings will go unheeded by the brass upstairs, as the kids like to say. His warnings will go unheeded by the power brokers of this administration because it's not in their interest for America to remain strong. 
It's not in their interest for America to remain prosperous. It's not in their interest for America to remain sovereign. If you have a strong America, it's a lot harder to implement globalism. And if you have a weak America, are the average citizens, the small businesses, the people just getting by, the middle class that's becoming non-existent. Those are the first to suffer. And what they're not realizing is that the human animal can only suffer so much before it lashes out. I come in contact with a lot of people on a weekly basis. And there's a lot of people that are coming to the end of their rope. There's a lot of people that are taking it one day at a time breath and they don't know how they're going to make it out of the downward spiral they find themselves in. Homes. And when they see that those they elected to represent them are living high on the hog. And every time someone raises a complaint, you get the equivalent of let them eat cake. That bitterness doesn't go away. That bitterness just grows, it blooms, it expands. So do I see the potential for civil unrest in America? Even without my grandpa's prophecy, yeah, at this point, yeah. How bad is it going to get? I think it's going to be worse than most people think. Because it's not just going to be one thing. It's an amalgam of things. It's not going to be just one tsunami wave. It's going to be wave after wave after wave. And just when people think they're going to catch their breath, there comes another one and another one. And we're not even at the point where this nation's under judgment. We're just at the point where God no longer shows us favor. We're just at the point where God removed his hedge of protection. Imagine when judgment begins to fall. Imagine when God's wrath begins to be poured out. And no matter how bad it gets, and no matter how many signs are pointing to the obvious, the church remains asleep. The church remains passive. The church remains indifferent. The church remains lackadaisical. Oh, rapture's coming, brother. We don't need to worry about these things. Rapture's coming. And every other day there's some lady or some guy, oh, next week, kids. Next week comes, we'll still be here. Because you don't believe in a pre-trib rapture, so you're not getting raptured. Well, you're still here, too. Huh? I know, it was a secret rapture. One lady and her puppy got taken up. Come on, read your Bibles. Read your Bibles. 
Not just the parts you like. Not just the parts that speak to your spirit. But the warnings that Jesus gives, the warnings that are given in Revelation about what the world will look like before Christ's return. Don't, don't believe me. But I sure hope you believe your Bible. Because if you don't believe your Bible, then we have a problem. And it's a big problem. You see, we, we like to believe the things that are most beneficial to us. But sometimes, the thing that's most beneficial to us in the present isn't the truth. So I would rather know the truth and live according to the truth than believe a lie just because the lie makes me feel good about myself momentarily. Look at the world as it sits. Look at every piece of information that you can collect and tell me we're on the right path. I know, I know. But Kamala Harris says we are, indeed, the great economist herself. So keep yourself rooted in the word. Keep your faith in Christ. Don't be distracted by the things you see around you because everything is fleeting and passing. There's nothing of permanence here. And that's the best advice I can give. Don't be distracted by temporary events. Keep your gaze firmly fixed upon eternity. The shaking is here. These, these, these are just rumblings at this point. But worse will come. And the children of God need to be prepared and ready to meet them head on. Not to cringe back in fear, not to run away, not to moan and weep and mourn as the world. He also foresaw your protection in the midst of them. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening. Uh, we will be with you again next week. Hopefully, our skins will not be melting off our faces by then. If they are, well, you will be able to tell just audio. Yes, I know. I promise. Video, I will record it. I just need to shave. It's hot. I, I, you want to see a sweating fat guy just talk at you on video? Come on. So, uh, I'll get to that as soon as I can. Until then, God bless you. Gino, if you got anything to say, it's yours. I'm reminded, you know, in the Bible about building your house on the rock and not sand, you know. Uh, the floods are going to come, the rain's going to pour, the wind's going to blow, but the Word of God says the person that built their house on the rock, it will not fall, and it will not tumble into the sea. But then there's those that build on sand, those that build on, as Mike said, we're going to get, you know, raptured out of here, we're going to get pulled out before trouble hits. Sadly, perpetrated by lots of pastors. And 
denominations that believe that. But what a terrible thing to believe. You'll be out of here before trouble hits and persecution comes. You literally find out that doesn't happen, and you're in the midst of things you never dreamed in your life would come to pass, like possible jail cell for preaching against sin. That could happen in the U.S. You know, I was just in Michigan where they wanted to make a law. didn't get passed yet. You speak against transgender and LGBTQ people, you know, if you malign them or publicly do something to uh, disparage them, you could face jail. As Mike said, we're in the rumblings, but you read the word of God, what's coming to the U.S. is serious. And the, the level of judgment, the level of persecution, the level of uh, the economy failing, and all these things, we better be rooted powerfully in the Lord and trust God, trust him at such a level we believe in the divine, we believe in the miraculous, we believe in God's uh, protection and his power, and we prepare when he tells us to prepare. That's key. There will be preparation needed. And, uh, you know, the Bible says God does nothing till he tells the servants, the prophets. But it's very critical. We hear his voice. We believe in the Holy Spirit's work and power. Very critical. We believe trouble's coming at a very high level. And we prepare accordingly, especially spiritually. And then, of course, physically, it doesn't hurt to have things in order as well. Thank you so much for listening to the Light of Truth radio broadcast. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast, The Light of Truth with Michael Baldea. If you would like to order a copy of today's broadcast, please visit our website at handofhelp.com. If you have questions about our ministry, you can email us at handofhelpoffice at aol.com or simply call us at 920-206-9910. God bless you. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.